Amen. 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 What a blessing the Lord has been to all of us. The book of Job, chapter 38, and verse number 31, one verse of Scripture. I want to say how thankful I am to have heard the great report of the service while we were gone. It's good to know that God moves at all times. Amen. Thankful for Brother Landon and Sister Sarah, their ministry here at Greater Life Church. But I'm glad to be home today. I figured out one thing. I was not made to be a sailor. Job chapter 38, verse number 31. Most of the book of Job is contained with the things that went on between Job and his friends, the many questions, the many accusations, the many things that were suggested that were the cause of his griefs. And then when God had finally gotten enough of hearing them, he decided that it was time for him to speak. And so God began to speak. And chapter 38 is part of God speaking to Job. And this is a question that God asked of Job. And I want us to consider it this morning. He simply asked this question, Canst thou thou bind the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion? Canst thou bind, I want you to underscore three words, the sweet influences of Pleiades or loose the bands of Orion. Of Orion. And I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the influences of life. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know that anybody's life can be really complete without reading the life of this man named Job. I don't know of any Christian, any child of God that can live successfully in life and not at some point go to the book of Job to find the words of God and the words of man. Job is a man to be studied and his life is certainly one to be considered. I think he is one who... All of us at some point in life should go to and reflect upon. He would uh, be a man that who is, is not perfect by any means. And you will see that perhaps in his response at times. But he is a man who seemed to always keep his mooring. He never seemed to lose his grounding. There was something about Job's life that was so settled that even when all of the adversities and troubles came to him, it did not change uh, some things about his life. 
He was not perfect in his reaction to all that happened to him. But he did seem to have a sense of what to do in the most critical moments of life. You find that very early in chapter 2 when news of his losses began to come in and one messenger after another came in to his house and began to share with him the devastation and loss that he was suffering His reaction at that moment, what he did in that moment, is so telling. The Bible says that when that news came and the last messenger had entered the doors, the Bible says that he fell to the ground and he worshipped God. He fell to the ground and worshipped God. And the scripture says this of him. He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And then the understatement of the whole text in all this did not Job sin with his lips. I thought that was. Interesting, when I read that uh, again this morning after having read it many times in my ministry, I guess the, 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 the fact that it, it states something about this man that sometimes we overlook. It doesn't say that he didn't sin in his questions because Job had a lot of questions himself equivalent to the questions of his own friends and neighbors. But the Bible says that he was very careful about what he allowed to come out of his mouth. And I think it would do all of us good to underscore that and mark that in our Bible and put a little highlight beside it. It's not a sin to question, but we get in trouble when we allow our lips to begin to speak things that we should not speak. And so Job found a way through it all to speak of God's mercy or to bless the Lord, even when he did not understand. And I think it is a point for all of us to consider that it doesn't say he didn't think it or he didn't feel it. Sometimes we condemn ourselves because we have certain feelings Or we condemn ourselves because there are certain thoughts that come through our mind and we feel uh, like they they are not worthy to be in our thinking. And yet it is not what you think that counts always, but what you speak that counts. Because the mind does not always have the last say over what's going on in my life. I've been listening and studying recently of the scripture that speaks to us of hearing the word of God and how important it is that our ears be able to hear the word of God, not see the word, but hear the word. When the Bible speaks of that, it opens to me a new world to consider that what I see is not always what is, but if I will keep my ear tuned, There is a sound that comes 
from God that will always give me the direction that I need from my life. And I cannot always trust my eyes, but I can always trust His Word. Amen. God's Word will never fail. And after all of the questions and all of the things that had happened and even the ones that Job himself asked and considered, now God has some questions. And you, 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 need, you would do yourself a favor to go read God's uh, questions that he brought before Job. What a powerful and, and, and mighty text of Scripture. Uh, it, it would, it, it's amazing. But God in this verse in which we chose to speak from this morning speaks of Pleiades and Orion. And most of us understand that those were constellations. And they were clusters of stars that had been in their place since creation. Pleiades was a, a, a jewel of the springtime when they began to see that formation of stars in the sky. They knew that spring was coming and the winter was past and so there was always great anticipation. They didn't have watches. They didn't have iPads. They couldn't look necessarily at a calendar as we do to tell the times, but when those stars appeared and the formations appeared, they understood that spring was coming. And, and then when Orion would come, it would then again signal to them that the winter season was upon them. These constellations had been in their place since creation. Nobody had been able to stop them. Clouds might have obscured them for a moment, but when the clouds parted, the skies were still clear and the sign was still there. Those things that God had put there had stayed where he had placed them. What a powerful and wonderful picture of God's creation. I don't think anybody can go look up in the heavens on a, a starry night and not be moved at the mighty vastness of God's universe but to know that like clockwork, every spring, those same stars were going to come into their place. And there was something about their appearance that brought a lift to the spirit. The winter time was over. The coldness was going to pass. And spring was coming. And the joy of anticipation was upon them. It was an influence that God wanted Job to consider. It was a good influence. Everybody say a good influence. I'm going to meddle with you this morning. I'm going to mess with you. Some of you are tired. So am I. But I, I wondered this morning what was going to determine my worship when I came in this building. What was going to determine whether or not I lifted my hands was it going to be the fact that I didn't get enough sleep last night or it's rainy and the humidity and all of the conditions that are around me, just they just don't make it conducive to really jump and run this morning? Or is there something other than that that influences my heart 
that when I considered the goodness of the Lord and the mercies of God and the grace of God and the kindness of the Lord, there's something about that that makes my hands want to go up and they make my hands want to clap here because He has been good to me and He has kept me. I don't want the level of my worship to ever be determined by my circumstances. I want it to be determined by what I know down inside that God is faithful and there's going to appear a sign in the heavens every time I need it. God's going to give me a word. He's going to give me encouragement to lift me up and put me on my feet and help me keep going even when I'm tired and weary in my body. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. Some people's worship is determined by their sadness and their moods. And some people's worship is determined by their madness. Yeah. I mean this kind of madness and that other kind of madness. Some people determined by whether they got Starbucks or not this morning. Or whether when they got up this morning, the coffee pot turned on on time. And when their coffee pot doesn't turn on on time and they don't get that cup of coffee that they need, you better stay out of their way. Amen. You talk about grumpy guts. Oh, what's going to what determining your worship of God today? What's influencing you this morning to make you want to get on your feet or open your mouth and sing of the praises and the goodness and the mercies of God. All the songs that we've had before us this morning that's tried to lift us to a higher place. I can't imagine anybody not wanting to come to church because I've never come here without somewhere along the line something picking me up and moving me forward and saying life is better than you think it is. Things are not as bad as you think they are. And in spite of everything going on, there's a God that sits on the throne who still rules the universe, who still has all power in His hand. And it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. He's still in control of it all. And you can't stop it from showing up. God's going to show up anyway. Hallelujah. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord. Some of you were hoping I wouldn't preach very long this morning. And I didn't plan on it. But God had something He needed to tell all of us. God speaks of the sweet influences. I believe his choice of words are significant because influence is the sum total of all the forces that work on our lives. The mental, the moral, the emotional, the social, the financial, 
all of the things that work on our lives and determine our attitude or our state of mind or how we're going to look at life or how we're going to respond to life. And when I read that a few months ago, I had to stop and ask myself, what are the influencers of my life? What are the influencers? What determines the way my day goes or the way my week or my month or the way my house goes or the way the church goes or the way my friendships go? What determines how those things play out? A question it would do all of us good to consider this morning is what are the influencers of my life right now? Some of us are being influenced by our wants. W-A-N-T-S, wants. We're mad because we couldn't get a new suit of clothes. We're mad because we didn't get the car we wanted. We're mad because we didn't get the house we wanted. We're mad because we didn't get to go where we wanted to go. The influences of life that make us easy to get along with or hard to get along with are determined by our wants. Not our needs, but our wants. We caught off of a cruise ship with 1,081 crew members. Out of that 1,081 crew members, 23 of them were Americans. The rest of them were from Indonesia and from Europe. And they had gone to find a job that would help better their life. The steward of our area, name was Alex, was from the Philippines. He has not been home for Christmas in 16 years to be with his family. He has two adult daughters in college. He goes home two months out of the year. And some of us see our kids every day. And instead of looking at them as God's blessing or God's mercy on our life or God's help to our life, sometimes children are looked at as a nuisance and they're forgotten or they're neglected or they're abused or they're this or that. And when I listened to him, I asked him, I said, Alex, how long? He said, this will be the first time this Christmas in 16 years that I've been able to go home and be with my family on Christmas. And sometimes we bellyache and whine because we don't get to do something on a weekly basis. I want to tell somebody in this building this morning that your life is more than your wants. Your life is made up of needs and the need of every man and every woman is God and Him alone and Him above everything else in your life. And whether you get the Mercedes or whether you get the house or whether you get the job doesn't matter. What matters is if God has blessed you up until this point. And I'm looking at a lot of blessed people this morning. I'm looking at a lot of blessed people this morning. Oh, yes, I am. Hallelujah. Some people are influenced by their present moment. Present moment. Everybody say present moment. What you're going through right now. You're influenced by what's happening right now. And that's, that's not easy to 
say because all of us to some degree are influenced by the present moment. But what, what I seem to see from Job is that no matter what his moment was, his life was founded on God. Somehow, no matter what happened, no matter how troubled he was, no matter how many questions came in his mind, no matter how many accusations were thrown against him, the base of his life was God. And every time the wind drove him, it always drove him back to that rock. That rock. I read somewhere this past week that in the Middle East, the, 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 the landscape of the earth is in constant motion, constant movement because of the wind and the sand. And so you could go to one area one time and it looked one way. You could go ten years from now and the landscape would look completely different because the sands move with the winds and they shift with time. But they said one thing is required to stop the shift. Put a rock in the middle of that sandy place and watch the transformation that a rock can make. And somehow Job had found a rock in his life. God. And it didn't matter how life blew him this way. It never did blow him too far away from that. His life wasn't too totally reshaped because there was something in him that stopped the drift. It kept him from going too far one way or the other. It kept him from getting too high. It kept him from getting too low. Somehow he was able to stay close enough to God that when it was all said and done, God could say to all of us, Have you considered my servant Job? consider the influences the present moment what we're going through we have to be careful that we don't define our life by what's happening right now some people make decisions based on what's going on right now and it's a tragic mistake because right now you can't see clearly right now is not a good time i tell people always don't ever make a life-changing decision in the middle of a storm never Because you will always live to regret it. Don't ever make a life-changing decision when you're being blown by circumstances. You just don't know one day you're up, the next day you're down, one day you're happy, the next day you're sad. Be careful about those times in your life. That's not a time for you to be making life-altering decisions because a moment will pass. But God remains. And every spring, no matter what happened, every spring those stars showed back up. And every fall, those stars showed back up. And it didn't matter what happened in, the, in between. It didn't matter what went on in the, in the meantime. It didn't matter what had changed in life. There was something that Job could look to in the heavens. And God said, have you considered Pleiades? I want you to listen to me. Have you let the sweet influences of that one statement right there, my faithfulness, I never change, I never fail. You can count on me. Life may fail you. Your friends may fail you. Everything around you may be dissolved. But God said you can count on one thing. I'll never leave you 
nor forsake you. Come on, lift your hands to him right now. Lord, help me to understand that my life is not just the moment that I am living in. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Can I do something right now? Can I reserve the right to come back and re-preach this again? Because some of us aren't getting this yet. I know you're wanting to, but some of you are not getting it yet. Amen. Some people, the influence of their life are people. Yeah, nudge that person beside you. That's what I'm talking about, people. People, people, people. People problems. We all have them. Does anybody here not have a people problem? Is there anybody in your life that you're not wanting to strangle right now? (laughs) I know that's not real Christian. I don't know how to say it better than that. You just wish you had a voodoo doll and you could just stick pins. (laughs) People. People, they get on your last nerve. I could enjoy life if it wasn't for people. I've said that before. But people, people, people. Job was surrounded by friends. Oh, goodness gracious. When you have friends like that, who needs enemies? Job, you got there's something wrong. You're hiding sin somewhere. Isn't it bad when your own friends begin to question your integrity? But you hear me. I don't care if your closest friend questions your integrity. It doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God thinks. And I'm not going to let my life be determined. I'm not going to live my life determined by what people have done to me. And there are people that are not in church right now because they've let things that people did to them influence them. They're not living for God the way they ought to live for God. There's some that are cold this morning and so low. It's been so long since they've had a move of God in their life. It's scary because they've let people become the influence of their life. And Job said, oh no. Oh no, no, that's, that's not what I want influencing. And God had to bring him back. Job, this is what you need to let influence you. How many times has that planet ever or, or that constellation never shown up? How many springs have you never seen that? How many years have passed before it ever showed back up? Every year it's there. You can go back and stand and look in the same place. It's not up. It's not down. It's right where it's supposed to be. And God said people will fail you. They'll be all over the place. They'll be for you one minute. They'll be against you. They'll talk good about you one moment. They'll talk about you in the next moment. They'll smile at you one moment. They'll stab you in the back the next. It doesn't matter what people do to you. What matters is what God has to say about you. And God said, I'm redeemed. God said, I'm his child. God said, I'm important enough that he's going to stop in my life and say something to me that will help me get reoriented and get my eyes back on what my eyes need to be on. The things that never change. God's faithfulness. God's unchanging nature. God's mercy. God's grace. God's goodness. 
God's help, God's strength. Has anybody ever just gone the last mile of life when all of a sudden something came under you and seemed to pick you up and carry you a little farther? That's the goodness of God. That's the mercy of God. That's what you ought to be looking at. That's what ought to be influencing you this morning. Not people, not circumstances, not issues. But I'm going to tell you what the greatest influencer of life is this morning. Anybody want to know? Not people. Not issues. Not finances. The greatest influencer of life is pride. A wounded spirit. Brother Hughes, did you have to be so heavy this morning? No, I didn't. I didn't need to be, but I... Pride. Pride has locked more people in a world of coldness and hardness than anything else that I know of. Too proud to humble themselves. Too proud to admit, you know what, I may have been at fault. It's not all their fault. I may have been at fault. Pride is such a delicate thing and it's such a deceitful thing because it always pats you on the back and tells you it's all right for you to feel that way how many times has pride kept me from a breakthrough because i was just too afraid of what somebody might think or say or what they might do or whatever else pride when they say pride That's the most destructive influence of life. And yet that in itself probably influences more of us than anything else that I've mentioned this morning. Pride. God help me to never be of such a mind or spirit to think that I'm somebody that I'm not. One of the greatest, most profound experiences of my life happened many years ago at Life Tabernacle. Some of you may even remember if you were there. Brother Cleveland Becton was preaching. And Brother C.M. Becton, there was no more distinguished gentleman in all the world than Brother Becton. I mean, he was the epitome of perfection. He dressed impeccably. His character, he just, he was such an, an amazing man of God. And I'll never forget One night in a service there, when the Lord began to move, I watched that dignified man who was the secretary of the United Pentecostal Church International held that office until he got ready to retire. I watched him get down on the floor and roll like a holy roller across that platform. One way and then back the other way. And then back. Now, I don't don't think God necessarily is asking all of us to get on the floor and roll. But what I saw that night was a man that was determined that his pride was never going to determine his worship or his level of worship or his attitude toward people or anything else. He was not going to let pride become the determining factor in his life. Oh God, help me this morning. I fear many times I meet up with it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think I meet up with it. Amen.
God, help me to not let pride be the influencer of my life. The little stinging annoyances of life that keep us from being happy. The sweet influences of friends and family and church and a home and all of the things that we have. The fact that we were able to get up this morning. Brother Landon told me before service that some of their good friends in Louisiana heard a knock on the door in the middle of the night and got up out of bed and stepped into waist-deep water in our, our ankle, uh, knee-deep, thigh-deep water in their bedroom and it was a rescuer knocking on the door in a boat coming to see if they could get them out. I didn't have to do that this morning. Now, I, I know that's not something that happens all the time, but I saw that picture of devastation. And I remember a year ago where we were in that place and how we felt and how dislocated I felt as, uh, as the pastor in our church, how it affected us. I want to say it affected us for good, but sometimes that's not what happens when bad things happen to people. Sometimes they become bitter and angry and resentful, but in spite of it all, as bad as life may be, if you'll just look around, none of us have missed seeing our children for 16 years. None of us have missed watching our children grow up because we're in another part of the world trying to make a living because where we were, the financial situation was so bad that we could not provide for our family. And so we make a sacrifice to live in, an, in a situation so that we can provide, so our kids can have college. None of us, we've been able to see our grandkids and everything else anytime we want to see it. And yet sometimes in life, the things that influence us, that determine our attitude and our outlook and the way we feel and the way we worship is determined by the most insignificant things there are. The Bible says that this world and everything in it. Now I want you to think of everything that you own right now. All the car, all the house, all the clothes, how hard have you worked to get that? I mean, some of you have worked hard to get a better house. Some of you worked hard to get a better position. There's nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you what. The Bible says it all is going to melt with a fervent heat. It's going to be dissolved. All that stuff we've been killing ourselves over. All that stuff we've been stressed out over. All that stuff we felt like we couldn't live life without. It's going to all dissolve. And all that's going to be left is the Word and the God of that Word. That's where I want my mooring. That's where I want my life to be founded so that no matter what happens, the influences of my life are not people and pride and issues and all of the, the, the nuances of life, but my life is influenced not by its disappointments and its irritation, but by my blessings. God's been good to me. He's been good to you. Amen. He has been good to you. But I want the influence of my life to be of God's goodness, His compassion, that fail not, His power, His long-suffering. And I'm going to close here. But I want God's influence on my life to be more than just my blessings. 
I want the influence of my life to also be my burdens. My burdens. The things that I carry that I don't want to carry. Because somehow in carrying them, I save something. I don't know how many of you have ever read the story of the Comanche uh, or the Cherokee Indians that were transplanted from North Carolina to the Oklahoma Territory, which was called at that time the Indian Territory. But their story is called The Trail of Tears. The Trail of Tears. One of the most moving accounts of history that you'll ever read anywhere. These men and women had such pride of race that they would not accept the, 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 the carts and the wagons and other things that were offered. If they were going to be transplanted, they were going to leave with their pride of race. They were going to leave as a people that they had always been independent. And so they walked from that uh, area of North Carolina. Many, many, many died on the way. That's why it's called the Trail of Tears, because many died suffering devastations but they refused to be catered to. They refused to be helped. And someone asked one of the chiefs, why did you do that? Why did you risk so much? Why were you willing to sacrifice so much? And his statement to them was this. He said, by walking, we saved something. We didn't lose who we were. By having to go the hard way, we were able to maintain the character of people that we are. And I have discovered this about life. It's not all about my blessings and how I respond to my blessings, even though it's, it's not easy to respond positively to blessing. But more important, how do I respond to the burdens of life? The things that come on me that I don't want to carry. The things that God puts in my life that I don't want put in my life. The things that God lets me go through. He can take me out of. He can transform life. He can remove them, but He chooses not to. And He lets me walk down that road. The burdens of life. Those are the things that do many people in. And I will tell you this morning that if you're saved in the end, it will not be because of your blessing. Most of us will be saved because of our burdens that we carried and how we carried them. I think I may have told you the story, but I came across it not long ago of a Hindu convert to Christianity. And after he was converted, he felt a call to India to be a missionary and while there in ministry late one afternoon, while traveling on foot through the Himalaya mountains, which are very treacherous and cold, he came upon a Buddhist monk. And it was so bitterly cold that the monk encouraged him to walk with him because the two of them together could stay warm and they could give conversation to each other. And and so they decided that they would walk together. But as they made their way up the mountains and through the passes, they came to a place, very narrow precipice, and they heard a voice calling out for someone to help. And when they looked down, there was a man who had fallen off of the road and down into the gulch, and he was badly wounded and hurt. 
And the, the man who had been converted to Christianity said, we've got to go help him. And the monk said, oh, no, we don't. That man got what he deserved. Evidently, there was something wrong in his life. I'm not going down to help him. But the convert could not help hearing the cry of this man. And so he let the monk go on alone. And he went down the the precipice. And when he got down there, the man was badly wounded. And so he had to take his garment and make a sling and literally tie him onto his back. And then he had to climb back up the precipice and make his way on to the end of his journey. And and by the time he had gotten back up to the point where he and the monk were originally, he was perspiring so much that he, he, he was afraid that he might freeze to death. But he carried on. And so he made his way stumbling through the mountains. Finally, he got close to home. And right before he got to the village, he stumbled over something in the snow. And when he stopped to brush it away, there was that monk frozen to death. And he was still alive. Somebody asked him years later. They said, what's the greatest curse in life? And he said, the greatest curse in life is to have no burden to carry. Because we are saved by our burdens. Some of us this morning need to consider what's influencing us. What's determining whether we serve God or not? What's determining whether we're happy or sad or whether we want to worship or not? I cannot help but worship Him. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that He's done for me, my soul has to cry out. When I come in, even when I'm tired, and I'm not agitating anybody, but even when I'm weary, there's something about the words of the song that lift me up and make me want to praise Him because He has truly been good to me. And if it had not been for the goodness of the Lord... I would have been consumed already. My enemy would have overcome me. I would have been destroyed. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning and consider with me what is the influence of your life right now? What, what's determining how you respond to people? Is it because somebody hurt you? And so because somebody hurt you, you're, you, you're going to put this wall up around you and you're not ever going to let anybody ever get close to you again. You're not ever... Nobody's ever going to find me that vulnerable again. Or is there issues that you just can't seem to shake loose of that just go on and on and on? You just hear me. It doesn't matter how long the storm lasts. Every storm has an end. No storm lasts forever. None. 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 And when the storm is past, look up. And there is going to be a reminder of what really matters. God said, I'm still here. I'm still here. I'm still watching. I'm still overshadowing. I'm still in control. Amen. The first hurricane that I ever experienced in my life was here in Houston. My wife and I had not been married a long time, and we had come in. And uh, got caught in town, and well, we spent the night with my father-in-law. And I'll never forget the first part of the storm. It was kind of exciting, you know. 
all the popcorn, all the games, all the staying up late. But after a while, after a while, the wind just kept howling and howling. And I was ready for it to be over. It, it just kept howling. It started getting on my nerves. And I thought, oh, God, will this ever end? You know what? It did. It did. It lasted longer than I wanted it to, but it came to an end. And when it came to an end and the clouds all cleared, the sun was still there. The earth was still there. My family was still there. My friends were still there. Oh God, help me this morning to let the right influences affect my life, my attitude, my spirit, the way that I interact with people, the way I look at life, the way I feel about life. How many times do people feel like life has been unfair and the truth is that it has been in many ways. But one thing that Job found in his life that no matter how unfair life was, God was always fair. God was always just. Reach over and take somebody by the hand right now. I feel the Holy Ghost in this building today. Oh, Lord, I love you. I do love you today, God. I thank you for your mercies and goodness. I thank you for your love. Hallelujah, hallelujah.